Hello and welcome to F1 with my uncle episode 13 where we are looking at the extremely exciting U.S. Grand Prix as well as discussing how Vegas and Miami might impact Circuit of the Americas moving forward. It was an exciting race and a fun discussion so without further ado here's the episode. Enjoy. Okay, so you remember how in our Japan episode, you said to keep tuning in, even though the championship's been decided, because the races will still be exciting anyway? <laughs> well, I think we were vindicated, wouldn't you say? <laughs> hey, Matt, how's it going? Um, yeah, I think, you know, one of the commentators uh, mentioned right before the race starts that when championships have been decided and there are remaining races that it's gloves off and it's really exciting. Yeah. And yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. And this was a perfect example. I mean, like we, we've joked around, you could put these guys in a grocery store and if they found themselves next to each other in a, in an aisle with carts, they're going to race to the end. So <laughs> it doesn't matter, you know, yeah. whose name is on the top of the leaderboard. You know, if you're in an F1 car, you're going to race. And we saw a heck of a race this weekend. It was actually far more exciting than I, I was ever expecting like there was there was incredible battles up and down the grid like i agree i, I don't know like it, it's where where do we even start where do you want to start it's you know i think we can practice was kind of weird in the sense that there are some reserve drivers getting time or drivers that are part of the team that need time to build their super license points you see some of that catching up at this point and then they had the um they were going to do the Pirelli 2023 tire testing in Suzuka, which they had to scrub because of the rain. So that was moved to FP2. So, you know, I, I don't know. Practice wasn't as informational for all the teams as it usually is, but qualifying was, was interesting. What you're seeing is you had Ferrari qualify very, very well. And then you had Max confidently saying that, yeah, well, race pace is something different. You could tell it, you know, mm -hmm. he had no problem starting second. <laughs> you you reminded me of qualifying. And then that reminded me of the fact that Carlos got pole. And that reminded me of the fact. Right. Because <laughs> he, he got taken out immediately. So I almost forgot that it even happened. Yeah. But the poor guy. Can Carlos catch a break? Like, can he catch a single break? I saw the post-race interview and he just said, he just said, well, this is par for the course this year. I've had horrible luck. And it's true. It's true. It's I mean, true. and it's not just that he got taken out. It's that it caused a water leak. The, yeah. the hit on the side pod, you know, broke a water line or punctured a radiator or something. And and so he couldn't continue. Yeah. And could, could he have done anything different? Because no. it, it seemed like he was just taking the racing line and he was ahead. So. And Russell locked up, so... Yeah, no, he, he was on the racing line. There's something really interesting about that incident in turn one was uh, Russell came in too hot, you know, cold cold tires, turn one. It was a rookie error, in my, in my opinion. And the thing is, though, and this is the heck of it, if Sainz hadn't been there, he would have plowed into Lewis. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
And he would have taken out Lewis and perhaps both cars. You know, I think he would have hit Lewis in the in the truly in the back, like where he could have destroyed the transmission, hit the rear axle. Yeah, it seemed and and maybe I was kind of reading into things, but it did seem that Lewis kind of waited a little bit to turn in because he might have seen Russell barreling up the inside. Well, he had he had to actually go offline to the right to avoid the spinning Ferrari. So, yeah, he changed it. But that was after he had been hit. So I think, you know, but the bottom line is science stopped Russell from hitting Lewis, which kind of adds insult to injury, in my opinion. Yeah. That you had both Mercedes cars saved at the, but you had to sacrifice the Ferrari to get it. But at the same time, it's, there is an element to this that's a racing incident. It's, you know, lap one, turn one, and, um, you know, Russell did get a penalty. Uh, you can say that it wasn't significant enough, but you know, again, then you have to question the FIA. It is what it is. I think it is what it is. It's good that he got a penalty. Yeah, I I would like to have seen it been longer. You know, that more representative of what happened to Ferrari. But unfortunately, that's not the the way the rules work. Though he would have been penalized yeah. whether. Um, Science was able to continue or not, or not, he would have got the same penalty. That's so. true. That's true. I, I wonder if there's some way that the rules could be written where if you take someone out of the race, you get a more severe penalty, but then you're kind of in a gray area of like, right. That means you're changing. Like if two people come together in the same way and it doesn't retire the other person, then it's a lesser penalty. But if it's the same accident, but he does, then it's, and it's just kind of this weird gray area that like, how do you even figure all those things out? Right. And, and FIA, the FIA would have to verify it. If you have a, if yeah. you have a driver on your team, like Ricardo, and he gets taken out, does it really matter as much? You know, so, and it, like, especially yeah. if you're one of the top three contenders or something and you're getting down. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, if you take out a Williams who's likely not to finish in the points anyway, it doesn't have as much of an impact. Yeah, like if you take out Latifi, you know, <laughs> if you yeah. take out Latifi in, in like this year, you know, honestly, big deal. So, <laughs> you know, um, it's just one of those things. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, of course, you, we don't want anything to happen to the drivers we're not saying latifi is a person of course but it's just uh he's not a player in this year um points wise so yeah yeah and it's just one of those things like it would be nice if there was the rule the rules could account for that but it doesn't seem like there's a practical way to do that so no there's not and everybody is beholden to the same rule book which that's yeah you know, as far as us and our listeners go and fans in general, it's the best thing to keep in mind about this stuff. If you think penalties are too strong or not strong enough, it's just to remember that everybody is beholden to the same rules. They don't make them up on the spot. They have guidelines for most of this stuff. Yeah. And sometimes it can seem unfair given the circumstances, but the rules have to account for a myriad of circumstances and they're not perfect, you know, just like our laws aren't perfect, but you know, right. You know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, it's one of those situations where you're trying to do the best and cover as many situations as possible. And, you know, yeah, so there you go. But anyway, I just, I just felt so bad for Carlos. Like as soon as he went round, I was out of my chair screaming. No, (laughs) I I know it was horrible. Why? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you know, 
You know, it's like, you know, it's just one of those things that just shouldn't happen. You know, like you buy your kid a brand yeah. new bicycle and somebody steals it. It's like, really? Why? Why? I know. <laughs> or somebody steals a family's tragic friends that, you know, you're like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> okay. You take something else. But, you know, yeah, it's just, it's, I felt bad. Like, you know, cause here he was on top of the world, you know, he had Paul and then, and then, and then Max, of course, right off the bat had a much better launch than he did and so they're battling for the corner which is which is exciting and then you have russell honestly just a rookie error you know and he got too uh trigger happy and his tires you know he overcooked the corner and took another guy out and that's something he has to live with so yeah you know but it did set up for Lewis to be threatening Max and potentially threatening threatening for the win, which was a through line throughout the whole race. And like that was actually quite exciting to watch. Well, even Lewis said, you know, or, you know, that they they it's not impossible for them to threaten for the win, but it takes mm-hmm. a problem with Ferrari and a problem with Red Bull. And we've kind of mentioned which that. nearly happened, which and that and then it happened. So they're they're third. Yeah. But um, and that's something I wanted to talk about. You know, they, they did bring their last updates to Austin. It appears that the updates were beneficial, which they haven't yeah. always been. You know, so the, I guess the question is, is for the last three races of the season, are Mercedes still clearly third or is there are they going to be battling Ferrari for second place? Well, that's what was interesting is that Leclerc couldn't seem didn't seem he was able to do anything as far as catching up to Hamilton in the late stage right, of the race. Exactly. And they've also Leclerc pretty much said that they're not going to bring in any further updates this year. So if Mercedes has their last update mm-hmm. now, and it seems like they're kind of on par with Ferrari at this point, as far as the race is concerned, then who knows? I mean, I doubt they would pass Ferrari in the standings, no. but they could certainly threaten more podiums and maybe threaten more wins, too. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah, that's the it, it'll be. I'm not as clear the the circuit of the Americas is a unique track in the sense that it's a very, very, very fast track, very driver friendly. Yeah. Um, the drivers love this track and the remaining three tracks aren't so much that way, except Abu Dhabi might be, you know, similar to this, but, uh, Mexico and Brazil aren't, is, aren't this, you know, they're just not designed the same way. So, yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I I'll be really interested to see the race in Mexico, you know, for this very reason, you know, but what I saw was, um, the Ferrari is still overly affected by tire degradation, mm. but the Mercedes in order for them to be fast in the straights, they're loose in the turns and Ferrari is not loose in the turns. Mm. So again, it really de- depends on if a track, what a track favors. And so, you know, this may be the closest that Ferrari, other than Abu Dhabi, it, honestly, I I don't think they're going to, unless something really odd happens with Ferrari and Red Bull, you know, as far as like, um, you know, cars breaking down and DNFs and things like that, all things being equal. In other words, I don't think I don't think they're going to win the next two races or have a you know like a good chance, but Abu Dhabi they might. So it might boil down to the last race of the year to see if Hamilton can get a win, which 
is going to be kind of in, and you know he's going to want to win Abu Dhabi this year yeah. <laughs> after last of all the year. races yeah that's going to be an exciting race so if you think yeah. it's over it ain't <laughs> over folks so. yeah yeah I, I mean at the end of the day back to what we were talking about before is like you put F1 drivers in F1 cars they're going to race <laughs> their hearts out and yeah. but especially for for that kind of a track where Mercedes might be more inclined. And then, of course, after last year. Yeah, I wouldn't discount Hamilton in Abu Dhabi this year. I, that would be a race to check out. I, my but. favorite part of this race was kind of odd. And I think you're I think you'll know what I'm going to say. Okay. Oh, <laughs> but no. I <laughs> I loved Alonzo's extended wheelie in the back straight. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was like dragster material. I mean, it it was yet it, it was, was it was potentially scary. scary, and I'm only saying that because nobody was hurt. But visually, if you're just you know, if you put on a nine year old kid hat, that was pretty cool. <laughs> no, like, that's true. The oh spectacle was was incredible. And you know, the thing about that cracked me up at this is Alonzo is the kind of guy he's so darn competitive. Number one, he has no fear, which I love because he yeah. continued on. A lot of drivers, younger drivers, I guarantee would have pulled the car over and stopped, but not him. Yeah. They would have been like, I'm done. I'm out. And, you know, here <laughs> yeah. he is flying through the air, front end up. And here's the other thing he was doing 186 miles an hour when this happened. I know. So, and he keeps. Do you remember going. what his radio message was on his in lap back into the, into the, like right after that happened when he was going into the garage? Something like, I think I might have a puncture or something. <laughs> yes, that was it. Yeah. His only comment was, I think I have a puncture. Not like yeah. the car is in shambles. He wasn't <laughs> screaming like, that idiot almost killed me. You know, he I wasn't know. shaking. He He's was like, yeah, like... I think I might have a puncture in the left rear. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but if Alonzo, you go back man. and look, especially in slow motion, it's more, it lasts longer. But <laughs> He did. Quite, <laughs> he does quite the wheelie, and the back tires appear to be, you know, because at that speed, the car is at risk of flipping over, and that is dangerous. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but it, he does this wheelie, and it was just so darn amazing. And then slams down on the front suspension and continues on, and he finishes what seventh <laughs> at the race. He finished seventh on the road, but unfortunately he did he did get hit with a penalty and according to the actual rules uh, the stand the results right now he's counted as finishing 15th oh really um yeah which is weird and i don't know why did he did he exceed track limits or something are you sure i, I guess so you know it is what it is um l let me do some googling and i'll see if i can get an answer on that yeah that, it, it was probably one of those track limit things but the, the here's the thing that i was gonna you know i was getting at is that Alonzo, it's like if his car gets beat up, he doubles down and drives even faster. You know, and number one, that Alpine has got extremely strong suspension because there are times where he has hit other cars like they pulled into him. And it almost seems like he never gets the worst of it. Maybe the one time when he got a hole punched in his side pod and he had to retire the car. Yeah, that was, but he kept going for a while before they called him in. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, um, you know, he's, he's been in altercations, people pulled in front of him and he just keeps going. And we're talking front suspension where some of these other cars, you know, like Haas or whatever, you know, they barely touch something and it seems like the front end crumples. 
So it's like, I'm really impressed with the Alpine, but you know, the, the other thing is, like I said, you know, Alonso has this tendency and he's done this since he was a young driver, you know, he's had other cars that were crippled that he just rode the, drove the wheels off of and nobody can, nobody knows how he did it. You know, he can have half a front wing and finish second, you know, nobody else could do that. You know, it's almost like the mechanic should take a hammer to the car before the race. And he's like, all right, now I can go, you know, it's just, he's a, he just doesn't give up. Yeah. And when he, you give him a challenge and he, it makes him stronger. And he's one of those guys, he's a true, true competitor. You know? So I found out why he was given a 30 second penalty. 30 second. 30 okay. second penalty. Yeah. Okay. Alonzo gets a penalty because the stewards believe Alonzo should not have been allowed on the track without a thorough check after the heavy crash with Lance Stroll. That's, ah. that's what they were saying. Okay. So. Now, now Alpine could, he, they could challenge that and it could be restored. So we'll have to wait and see. As of right now, it stands, sure. but we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. Yeah. Yeah, they they may they may choose to challenge it. They may not because it doesn't matter. But yeah, at this point in the season. But well, except it takes championship points away and team points. They, yeah, they needed those points for the constructors fight with McLaren. So so regardless, I, I still think it was incredible from Alonzo. It is unfortunate that this this penalty went in because he literally he hit another car, did a wheelie across, slammed down on the ground, hit the wall and then everything was just fine and he kept going and finished 7th on the right, road like right right exactly. un- unbelievable but yeah it was it was a, it was a really neat piece of footage yeah. and it's one of those things that's going to make the highlight reel of this year of this absolutely season. so yeah, yeah for sure because it's just one of those things and the other thing that was interesting that we saw because of the two incidents here is we saw two safety cars at Coda. Oh, yeah. And it's very rare to see a safety car at this track because of the huge runoff areas, you know. But we actually, well, we saw one with uh, Botas, and and that we didn't have one at the first incident. But when uh, Valtteri spun off in the gravel, we saw one there because they had to bring equipment on the track mm-hmm. to get him off and then with the obviously with the um uh, alonzo stroll and the other thing that i just want to mention you know is that you know stroll should not at those speeds on a straightaway should he moved over it's his fault he's he got penalized or will get penalized for it um alonzo did not and yeah yeah he got a grid penalty and for Mexico. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He did. Alonzo didn't. So I mean, it's in other words, it's clearly Stroll's fault. But you know, this has been an issue with him. It was a bigger issue earlier on in the season that he was weaving and blocking, and he got dinged on it. Yeah, he got dinged on his super license, and then, um, and here he goes, and he causes this massive accident, which could have been much, much worse than it was. Oh yeah. And so this guy has got to stop doing this. He absolutely has to stop weaving and and trying to block somebody, especially on a straightaway. Yeah, at and those it, it wasn't like it was at the end of the straight either. Like he had the entire like I don't know two thirds of the straightaway left. That that's like there's there's no shot you're gonna keep him from passing you. He's got the no, run on you. No. He's just going to pass you. Like what are you doing? Like, yeah, there's there's some, there's something else in regard to like the corners and things sure. like that, you know, that there's a little jockeying. But on the straights, you just don't do it because, yeah. you know, 
So what, you know, who the next guy has to move over by four feet just to make sure he doesn't, you know, run up the backside of the car. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is ridiculous. And, you know, these cars are following closer behind each other this year. You know, they've made changes so that passing is better. And, you know, you just can't, you can't, you can't do that kind of thing. So, and that's why he was penalized, but it's very, very bad sportsmanship on Stroll's point to not just give up a position on a straightaway when there's a car that's clearly faster than this. Yeah. And, and, and I, I completely agree. It's like, we, we I don't want to sit here and be overly critical of somebody, but at the same time, if you're literally putting someone else's life in danger because of your dumb mistake, like, I'm not going to be sympathetic to you for that. Like, you, that that can't happen. <laughs> and he's done it before. Yeah. Th- this isn't the first time. This is a tendency. Yeah. That's why I brought it up. It's like, okay, he's got to stop doing that. But anyway. Yeah. So moving on. What what else? I, I think the, um, obviously, the, the exciting part was we had, and this is something I kind of texted to you <laughs> <laughs> the night before, is I wouldn't be surprised if we don't have a repeat of last year with Max and Lewis battling it out, oh, yeah. you know, for, for the title. And it came down to, it was really reminiscent of last year, you know, it was where, you know, Max passing Lewis with five laps to go. And then you're just, <laughs> you know, if you're a Max fan, you're praying he hangs on. Yeah. Um, the other, the thing that made me nervous for both drivers at the end of this race is they had each, um, gotten a you know black orange flag or whatever that if they exceeded track limits one more time they were going to be penalized five seconds right and so and they had they had each had their three warnings and so it was kind of funny that they were both on the radio like he is exceeding track limits no he is exceeding track limits (laughs) you know there was something about that that kind of bothered me it was red bull the red bull team was doing it more than max well yeah but it was Hamilton kept every corner. I think he exceeded. I think he exceeded. He sounded like a five-year-old kid. I think he exceeded. I think he, you broke the rules. I mean, know? when you're right behind I, someone. I can see why you're like, doing it. Come on. I can, but he wasn't doing it. You can see in the footage that it didn't happen. You know, but he was, Yeah. you know, he was just trying. Lewis wanted to win that race. He really badly. did. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of wish he did, honestly, because that would have been really cool. But. Yeah, I mean, it just wasn't in the cards. Well, you can, not if you have to hand it to him. I mean, you know, to me, you got to... Correct. Yeah, not not for those reasons. And he didn't deserve to win it. Like, his car isn't better than the Red Bull. So it's like, you know, I, I, I disagree just from that perspective. Like, I think he absolutely, under the circumstances, had a chance to... Uh, and he said, he said as much himself. He, he put the Mercedes... Yeah as high up as he possibly could. It just wasn't enough. Yeah. I just think it would have been cool if it happened, but obviously, yeah. The, the, the crazy thing that I also want to call out the, the incredible drive that Max put in at the end was unreal. Like when that guy gets a fire in his heart and, and he just, no one is getting in my way of, of victory here. Yeah. It's incredible to watch him, him perform in that, in that, uh, situation yes. and what's really cool this year in particular is that he seems to have matured a whole lot over how he used to because when yes. he was younger when he used to get that fire in his heart he would be like running people off the road and kind of bumping into people and it's like 
that's not cool. But we didn't see any of that today or, or during the race. No, you know, he he kind of learned that last year and this year it's yeah. been consistent all year long. Yeah, he's a different driver. I mean, he's all year. He's been perfectly clean. Yeah, he's yeah. been a, he's he's matured as a human being and as yeah. a driver. And it shows which doesn't bode well for the other drivers <laughs> I'm no. right now. No, the, no, this guy is special. He really is. Yeah, he's something else. He's one of the elites. He's he's one of those top five, top ten drivers in the history of Formula One. And uh, yeah, you know, potentially uh, barring anything unforeseen, like you know, a bicycle accident right before the season starts next year, and he breaks right. a leg or something like that. You know, oh, geez. in other yeah. words, all things being equal, um, yeah, he's going to have an amazing career because he's only twenty five years old. And yeah, he, he could race another 10 years and he's already breaking or tying records with Schumacher and Senna and Hamilton, you know, so this is the he, the potential for him to actually walk away with maybe not seven world titles or eight, but walk away with a huge number of records that will stand for years is significant. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just it just struck me when I was watching that those closing stages of him just tearing it up. And I was like, where has that driver been all year? And it just struck me that maybe all year he's been playing the points game. And now that he doesn't need to, right. he's like, yeah, who cares? I'm going for it. Yeah, no, he, <laughs> like, he drives as fast as he needs to. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. And frankly, when Lewis had the dominant car, he did the same exact thing. That's true. You know? Yeah, he went as fast as he needed to. <laughs> but see, the thing is, he has a lot of confidence in the car. And that is that's true. And that helps. But with a driver like him yeah. in a very fast car that he has confidence in, it's a winning combination. So, yeah, I think. They're going to be they're a team to be reckoned with next year for sure. Yeah. Well, in uh, in other news around the the race itself, I did think it was uh, a shame that Stroll uh, crashed how he did because both Astons were in the top five for about half the race, and Vettel finished seventh. He would have been eighth, but for he was eighth on the road, but was pro because Alonso was was penalized. But like. Uh, the the like where where have the Astons been all year? Like, is it just their their new um upgrades are are finally kicking in? They had or... minor upgrades that had a huge benefit, and that's yeah. the bottom line. Okay. They weren't major upgrades, but they had minor upgrades that have really paid off. Um, yeah, and then yeah, so and these which is good for Vettel because these are his last races ostensibly if he stays retired you know, in a Formula One car. So they're all important to him. And it's cool to see what he, and frankly, who knows where he would have been if he hadn't had that miserable pit stop. Well, yeah, there was, yeah. Cause he was, he was leading at one point. He was up in the, he would have been, that was like due to not pitting yet or whatever. So he probably would have finished top five. He could have, he could have been on the podium. Uh, Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. He could have, he could have had a podium finish at this track, but he had a horrible pit. And then he had a 16 second stop. Right. It was like, not his fault, but it was just, it was with his Max's was different. They had a, a problem with the wheel gun. So that wasn't a fault of the pit. In fact, the uh, left front wheel guy was very quick and and giving up on the gun and switching to another one, or that would have been worse. So it was a nine second delay, could have been worse. But I think uh, Vettel had a longer, like 11, 12 second delay or something. It was even worse, you know? Yeah. 
It was a sex 16 second total stop, so you take off uh, three take off for three. what yeah, the stop normally would have been. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. So Max didn't get it that bad, but no, but uh, still, Vettel was voted driver of the day, which I think yes. was pretty well deserved because he had he was fighting Magnuson for that final spot all the way up until the last corner of the last lap. He was hooting and hollering inside the helmet at the end. He was happy, you know, which is which yeah. <laughs> was good to see under the circumstances. It's so good to see cuz you know, I look at how he's driven in the last, I mean, all this year and most of last and it's just like it just kind of has made me sad for him cuz like the the performance has been nowhere. And then finally the performance is kind of getting there and there he's like loving it now. In Suzuka, he was all lit up. In in, in Coda here, he was all lit up and I just I'm happy for him. Yeah. I'm glad he can go out with a bang. Like, yeah. that's really cool. All right. So anything else about the race? Well, um, right before qualifying started, uh, Red Bull were notified that the co-founder and primary, um, the guy that basically created the whole Red Bull F1 team, uh, Diedrich Matterschlitz, uh, passed away at age 78. And I just think that... Uh, Max said that mm. the last thing his mind was on was qualifying. It was really hard on him, and it was amazing to me. I was not as familiar with his history um, until after hearing people yeah. talk about him because he was a behind-the-scenes guy, so yeah. maybe that that's to be expected. But um, his influence on uh, Formula One drivers sponsoring them, and he loved the sport just like we love it, and he became a billionaire. So he put his money where his mouth is, and he supported, you know, the first driver that I'm aware of he financially supported was, ironically, one of my favorite drivers in this year. It was Gerhard Berger back in 1989. Oh, really? Yeah, he sponsored him. He was a, you know, huh. like, he gave him money, you know, and was a sponsor of him as an individual, which probably helped him get his ride with Ferrari back then. Yeah, um, I mean, he works in the FIA now, doesn't he? He's like a some I think official... so. Yeah, he is around there. Yeah. Um, but Gerhard Berger in 89 was my favorite driver. <laughs> I love <laughs> nice. that guy. Nice. You know, I just liked him because I yeah. liked the way he raced. And, you know, back then Ferrari was always dominant. And it was just like I just decided I liked the guy. And then he had a really bad crash and, you know, like a fiery crash and was out for a race. But, you know, he was a tough dude and really, really good driver. And I I really enjoyed him. And I thought, hey, that's weird. I like Red Bull, and I like the first driver that uh, Diedrich ever sponsored. So yeah. some consistency there. But Yeah, and, and Diedrich is the reason why you have Red Bull sponsors all over sports, not just in F1, obviously. This has been going back since, like, the 90s. It was specifically him. He had a passion for sports, and, and he wanted mm -hmm. to make sure – that he could facilitate that as much as he could. And like, what is an energy drinks company sponsoring anybody really? But he was like, no, I'm going to do it. <laughs> but it kind of fits the Red Bull mentality. If you well, look at does. X games and you look at, you know, yeah. all these like, you know, kind of really exciting sports like yeah. F1. And that's who he was as a person. So, which is probably why he developed an energy drink, you know, in the eighties when nobody had heard of energy drinks, you know, it kind of matches his personality. So, yeah. And that's who he was. And his 
like I thought it was really interesting that instead of having a moment of silence for him before the race, yeah, David Coulthard addressed the crowd, and you you could see this in the in the pre race segment. But he said, "We're let's have an, a round of applause for him," and they put yeah. his picture up on the billboards, and they said, "This is what he would have liked." Yeah, a celebration of the man, and and that just shows. Yeah, he liked parties. He liked excitement. He yeah. liked a, you know that was just who the guy was apparently. So he. You know, he lived life. He enjoyed it. He bought, wound up buying, bought AlphaTauri and, you know, the Red Bull team. He funded those and he loved every minute of it. And there were several drivers that said, I would not be here today if it wasn't for him believing in me and yeah. sponsoring me. And eight um, drivers so. on the grid currently have Red Bull to, to thank for their careers. And there's yeah. a, like a dozen others that aren't currently on the grid uh, or more. Like, yeah, so yeah. he's he was instrumental in a lot of people's careers, which is yeah. really cool. I think it's, I think it's great when people that do are successful in life are so generous with their money and they yeah. and they help other people, especially when they don't brag about it. They just do it. Yeah, it's one thing to spend all the money and help all the causes and be there for the photo ops, being like, "Hey, look at what I'm doing." But it's another thing entirely to do all of that and have nobody know who you are. Well, yeah. Like, and so many times we hear the, this is brought to you by the so-and-so foundation. You know, right, it's like, right. Well, you know, they're always quoting names and things. And in his case, he just did it. And, you know, he was, I think, probably a really genuine guy. And everybody liked him. Yeah. Which tells you a lot. Because, you know, sometimes these, you know, when people do become wealthy, they can be, you know, their attitude can change and holier than thou and that sort of thing. But he didn't do it. He was just like, a, he just loved life, loved sports, put his money where his mouth is and yeah, you know, that kind of thing. And so I, and I, everybody hated to see him go, which is, you know, what else can you ask for after your days are over? Then people are sad you're gone. Right. So. Yeah. And, and what a year for him to witness, you know, being the, the last year that he got to see for, for F1 mm-hmm. of, of his team that he believed in, actually you know being back on top again like what a great year for that and that had to have something to do with max's push at the end yeah to be honest i don't think max was ever going to even you know option is not a failure he had to do that (laughs) for diedrich and you know which yeah honestly you think max at some point would go Okay, when can I relax? I won the driver's championship, <laughs> you know, uh, in Japan, you know, two weeks ago or a week ago. Like you, you can know, relax whatever. for a week and a half around Christmas, yeah, and that's yeah. it. Can I just can I just relax a little bit? But you know, yeah. that's not the way the sport works, you no. know. And he just keeps pushing, um, you know. So anyway, I just think that it was. But he delivers. He, he delivers, did. and he pushed, and I just think it was great. He's not. He doesn't quit. All right, so before we move on to our main discussion topic, let's go ahead and briefly run through the standings because I like to do that every episode and after every yeah. uh, race. So uh, currently, obviously, Max is in, in first still, but then you have Leclerc still holding on to second, Perez third, only two points behind him, uh, Russell fourth, Sainz fifth, and Hamilton sixth. And um, the uh, the points are are quite close between those those three. You have Russell at 218, Signs at 202 and Lewis at 198. So it's possible that if Lewis gets really lucky in the last few stages, he could end up getting fourth or at least fifth. So, but we'll have to wait and see. There is another aspect to this, and that is that Red Bull could 
um, complete the trifecta here, and they could have the uh, you know the oh, driving yeah. championship, the constructors championship, and then uh, Checo could wind up in second place. You know, yeah, uh, and and if they wind up one two for the season. Um, that's not common that your drivers are one, two, and you win the constructors championship. And that is a possibility too. And Checo's, you know, he's, uh, yeah. Mexico's his home race and he tends to do well. There, he tends so. to do really well there. Yeah. He's only two points behind Leclerc. Um, yeah. and so he has every chance to do that. Uh, he's got three, three chances. Uh, absolutely. So, yeah. So yeah, that's pretty cool. And then constructor standings, obviously Red Bull and in, in one uh, Ferrari second, and uh, Mercedes still third. Um, yep. Mercedes, okay. So this is they have closed up. Ferrari is four hundred and sixty nine points. Mercedes is four hundred and sixteen. So they're only what is I'm bad at math. Is that fifty odd points back? That's not a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's only three races to do it, so it's unlikely, but it's not a lot. Um, but then Alpine is still holding out a, a little bit ahead of McLaren. Alpine is fourth at 144. McLaren is fifth at 138. And what's crazy is that Aston is still uh, seventh and only one point behind Alfa Romeo for sixth. Wow. Like, and they were ninth, like three, four races ago. Like, how crazy is that? Yeah, and that could that could change. Alfa Romeo seems to have mellowed out true yeah yeah and aston keeps getting better yeah so crazy stuff and uh, we'll have to see how that plays out over the remaining three races so one other thing i wanted to draw attention to was that they yet again blew out the attendance records at coda i, I think they even installed more grandstands and then also sold them all out which is pretty crazy there was over four hundred thousand people that attended over the weekend and it just the the question that kind of popped into my mind was with two American races this year and three next year, do you think that Miami and Vegas will end up taking anything away from Coda? Or do you think Coda will still be this kind of hub of like excitement that everyone still wants to attend? Or how do you think that'll play out really? Well, you know, this is a really interesting question because it was something that I had thought about. And you know, because last year we were there and I was so I thought it was so cool that we were there when we broke the record. You know, yeah. what I what I assumed and a lot of people did last year that because it, uh, 2021 marked a return and post covid to racetracks where people could come out, you know, and that sort of thing. And I, I thought maybe there was some pinup demand because of the you know effectively the fans missing a year due to COVID. Mm -hmm. And and I didn't think this year would break the record. And I was kind of cool. Like, I mean, I was kind of glad that it was cool we were there because then I'm like, hey, you know, we might be with that record setting crowd in 2021. And yeah. it got blown away this year. And we had a second race. <laughs> it, it didn't so, last long. <laughs> no. And so I think, you know, I, I thought about this, um, you know, myself a little bit. And so here's here's what I'm getting at. Um, and there's a lot of different ways we can take this, but Coda is that track is love. Like Lewis Hamilton basically says it's, if not his favorite, his second favorite track in the whole calendar. Like he loves this track. All of the drivers were, were just praising. They, it seems like yeah. everyone loves this track apart from how bumpy it is, but they love the track. Yeah. It's fat. It's a fast track and these guys love fast tracks so and there's plenty of places to overtake which is part of the design as well 
Like that's what Max was saying in his interview was like, if you if you get past one corner, you know you'll have a shot at like the next corner after that, and like you, you don't get that in every track. And it's the Austin area as well. You know, is they like going to Austin. You yeah. know, they enjoy they enjoy the area. Yeah, um, something appeals to them to these Europeans about Texas, and uh, you know, because Texas, the West, cowboy hats. You know, everything that Texas represents is kind of what's archetypical of America to Europeans. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, they enjoy being there. And, you know, and I even heard Lewis say that, you know, I I think, you know, in his retirement, he's going to be more involved in, in, you know, with movies and fashion and things. And he Mm -hmm. he mentioned that he went to a Broncos game, you know, last weekend. Oh, yeah. He called that he called them my team. Yeah. You know, so (laughs) he's almost hinting that he's going to be moving to America at some point, like in his retirement. Or at the very least, he likes the team and he follows them. So, yeah. So I and here's here's the way I look at it. So there's a lot of people in America. F1 is on the rise in this country. And that's not just an opinion. I did. I I um, was watching a, a YouTube guy who said that he's he's a European YouTube F1 guy. And he said that 53 percent of his audience, according to YouTube analytics, are American. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And. And the sat number two was um, from they were from the Netherlands. Oh wow! <laughs> the UK was number third, but we're talking, you know, a huge number were Americans. And so, wow. and another little statistic that's interesting. Maybe I'll pose this as a pre, uh, you know, hot seat question. But what, there was a percentage increase of American viewers who saw their first F one race. La- um, in 2022 over 2021 or it may have been 2021 over 2020 but the bottom line is i think it's this year like you know of all the people like there's a certain percentage of people that saw their first f1 race last year that has increased by a percentage this year do you care to guess what it is for people americans that have seen their first f1 race this year on tv well i actually watched one i mean given how many people were considering here i feel like even 20 percent is a large number so I'm going to say 10 to 15. I don't know. It's like 53%. What? Yes. Holy moly. Uh, now, now I don't wow. know that we're talking about a huge pool of people. <laughs> well, in theory, it could be 100 people in 2021 saw their first F1 race on TV. But, you know, but I, I, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's a larger number. It's a larger number of people based on the attendances we're seeing at Miami and at Coda. Yeah. Um, okay. But the bottom line is, I think there's two things playing into it. One is drive to survive. Sure. But this guy's argument was that's not the biggest reason people are seeing it, that it has a lot to do with social media, with yeah. the drivers being on Twitter, TikTok, you know, and Instagram and things like that, that as people like they they might get to know who the drivers are on Drive to Survive, but they're following him on social media, and that's what's keeping their interest. Well, and Lando Norris streams on Twitch occasionally. Like, yeah. In the off-season, he streams a lot. <laughs> Not so much during the season, but, yeah. And frankly, this 
ascendancy that even you and I perceived it. This is one reason we started the channel is that we've been, you know, lifelong. I, you know, for me, it's a longer life at this point, <laughs> but you know, fans of F1 and, and yeah. I think that Americans have a unique perspective and the commentating tends to be dominated by Europeans. So I, I think that, you know, for us, I like the generational aspect. We're going to see things slightly different because of that. And then we're Americans. We're going to see F1 slightly different than Europeans. And that's why we're here. You know, we're here to add something to the to the conversation. I mean, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And But that's our goal, right? Yeah, so, yeah. But that's the, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. And the other thing that this guy noted is that Part of the reason that F1 has been slow on the ascendancy in America is that the knowledge barrier is a thing. Um, oh, yeah. Understanding, understand. And that's another thing that you and I are attempting to, um, you know, that's, clear up. We're, yeah. We're, we're trying to bring knowledge, uh, you know, to our fellow Americans about F1 and why it's such an amazing sport. And I have another pre hot seat question maybe this <laughs> oh, will, no. um, th this is going to amount to be the hot seat question okay. maybe, but, but um you know so here's a question have indy cars ever raced at coda and you know so that that's a yes or no question well yeah they are they have okay they only raced once in 2019 only once really yeah, yeah, they've only they've only done, they've only raced at Coda one time. Huh, okay. And that was in 2019 and and then here's the question. The if you compare the qualifying laps oh. between those two cars, what do you think because you and I keep saying we we think F1 cars are way 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 better than any cars, you know. And and that's and it's the pinnacle of the sport. You know, we've talked we've mentioned this several times in our broadcast. So but you have an interesting statistic here based on the Coda track is you have a fastest qualifying time from an Indy car and you have a fastest qualifying time in 2019 from Max Verstappen. What do you think the difference in time was? I actually remember hearing one of the commentators mention that. I think it was that stat and it was either six seconds or it was 10 seconds. It was some somewhere in that ballpark. Actually, it's 14 seconds. Wow. That's quite substantial. Yeah, Valtteri did a lap in one minute thirty two point oh twenty nine, and Will Power, his qualifying lap was one minute forty six point oh one seven. So virtually wow. thirty two to a minute thirty two to a minute forty six. Wow. So and now now here's what's interesting, the straight line speeds are the same. They're if not, and oh, Indy cars wow. might even be slightly faster because they don't weigh as much. So the, the straight line on the back straight and the front straight, you know, their speeds are very, very similar, um, especially the back straight. But it's in the corners with the downforce and just the superiority of the cars give a over 20 lap, 20 corners of a lap, give a 14 second advantage. And that's strictly due to ground force. They, yeah, that's yeah. the superiority of the Formula One cars. Um, it's just an example of how they are much more sophisticated, superior machines. Yeah. I love IndyCar, but I'm just saying they they are superior machines, Yeah, which is kind of what got me interested in F1 back in the 80s was I just realized how, that these cars were amazing. And I'm like, why doesn't everybody else watch this? These cars are so <laughs> yeah. cool. And, 
and finally it's happening. It only took 40 years for <laughs> fellow Americans years. to catch up. <laughs> yeah. So, so kind of pulling back a little bit, what, what do you think the impact on Coda is going to be with two other American circuits right. next year? Uh, okay. So we had, we added Miami and we broke records at Coda. And here's my take on it. Coda is the, it, it is the United States Grand Prix. And I don't see that ever changing. Yeah. So it is the United States Grand Prix and that's that. So you're adding, in essence, you're adding Miami and there's what, 300 and something, 350 million people in this country. And this country is huge. Um, you could fit most of Western Europe within our country. And so there's what, 2,500 miles if you drove straight across the country from West Coast to East Coast. Yeah, sounds um, about right. <laughs> yeah. Multiply that times 1.6 to get the kilometers, you know, so, um, I, you know, whatever that turns out, you know, 40, <laughs> I'm bad at math. Why are you asking me <laughs> over 4,000 kilometers, you know, something around like, 4,500 yeah. kilometers. I mean, that's a lot of, um, yeah. you know, space, you so, know, that's a good point. I feel like it is often overlooked just how freaking massive the U S is compared to yeah. a lot of other countries. I mean, Canada is, is, bigger or in russia but you know for the most part it's it's like it's such a there's such vast differences it's not like you can just hop in a car and drive to vegas from austin and be there no. in the same day it'll take you like no. three days to get there <laughs> like well we're, we're in the middle of the country and if i drive to northern california where some of my kids live it's like 2200 miles yeah you know, it's a long ways, you know, or maybe not that far, but it's like you it's know, pretty far. It's it's a good three you know. day drive. It's it's quite a ways. Yeah, it, it's a good. Exactly. So. um, But so here's the thing. Miami's sold out and I think it will sell out every year. Coda just set a record for sellout and it isn't the first year post COVID. And Las Vegas is highly anticipated. <laughs> And the thing about Vegas, and, you know, if you look at this, you get the East Coast people from New York on down can go. They they tend to go to Florida. That's what they do. Yep. And then as far as Texas goes, everybody from the surrounding states, Louisiana, you know, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Colorado, they all come here for various things. So for different sporting events and, you know, the Texas International Speedway and things like that. So um we cover the Midwest and then in Vegas, you know, it's only a five hour drive from Los Angeles over to Las Vegas. So you get all this, all the Southern California people. And I have plenty of friends from Northern California that would, that would uh, travel down to Vegas to see NASCAR. So, Oh yeah. You're so you get, uh, you know, there's not that many people in Vegas, but you're going to get an influx of people from all over the air from Arizona. There's a ton of people living mm -hmm. in Phoenix, even like Washington, and, Oregon, Idaho. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. You're going to get people from all over the West heading to Vegas to see Formula One if they're interested in it. So my guess is they will set huge attendance records at all three races because America is discovering Formula One and it's an exciting sport. And that's why Formula One, you know, that's why they have a third track. And the other thing to bring in mind is Liberty Media bought formula one five years ago and one of the things they intended to do was advance the sport and you know build some different kinds of interesting tracks and market the sport and tap into this american 
um, market, and it's exactly what they're doing. So it's we're exactly seeing them. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're seeing the result of, you know, like extensive market research. That's why it's going to work. I, I think if it wouldn't work, we would know about it. Yeah. So, I, I think we'll know for, for sure next year, but so far it seems to be working. If you sold out the new track in Miami and you again sold out even more seats in Coda this year, yeah. it's like, yeah, that seems to be the right play. <laughs> it seems to be selling out everywhere. Yeah. So. And it and it is, you know, it's just one of those things. It's going yeah. to work. So this leads me into my hot seat question, which is related. Okay. To okay. This subject. Okay, Matt. So it's my my turn to ask the question. Yeah. So the, the hot seat is where one of us asks the other a question that we've not discussed ahead of time. And so if you have a hot seat question for either of us, or if you have any general questions you'd like us to answer. You can email that in at matt at withmyuncle.com or dan at withmyuncle.com. And you can pose, uh, you obviously send him the questions you want me to answer and vice versa. And so, yeah, this week, Dan, you're asking the questions and I am slightly nervous. So <laughs> what you got? <laughs> so here's my question to you. We're talking about, you know, the three races in America. Yeah. So my question to you is, how many tracks in America over the history of Formula One have hosted a Formula One championship race? Okay, so I actually have looked into this or at least adjacent topics before, so I'm going to list all the ones that I remember. So obviously Indy, um, Indianapolis, uh, the road course at times, it used the full circuit at times but Indy in its various configurations. Um, obviously, Coda. Obviously, Miami this year. Uh, there's also Caesars Palace in Vegas that was there for like one, maybe two years and was not well-received. <laughs> um, right. I'm trying to think of others. Um, oh, so oh, oh, Long Beach. Four. Long Beach in uh, right. California did as well. Um, so that, that would be five. Right? That'd be if five so far. Um, that's all I can recall. I'm pretty sure I'm missing one though. You're missing five more. I'm missing Believe five. Okay. Hold on. Let me think. <laughs> and technically, technically here, I'll run through it. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> you know, you, you had your chance. Now I'm going to give the answer. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all the ones you named are correct. Although technically, I think with Miami, you can technically say there were 11 tracks. Oh, because. Indy, you had two different tracks. You had the oval for like nine or ten years, and then you had the road course. Well, and, and I, I counted I, I both of those as one track. No, no, you you mentioned it, but I'm just saying I I think there's been eleven okay, if you're okay. technical because I I mentioned tracks. <laughs> okay, so they raced one year in Dallas, believe it or not, in really? 1984. Weird. In 1984, they raced in Dallas. Okay. They raced in uh, Phoenix. Did you mention Phoenix? I, I did not mention it. Phoenix. I forgot about that. No, okay. but they raced there in 89, 90, and 91. Wow. They had okay. a track in Phoenix. Now, they raced in Riverside, California what? in 1960. Yep. Oh, in the 60s. Okay, okay. It was one year, 1960. Okay. <laughs> they raced there in one year in Riverside, California. And then 
as you mentioned, they raced in Caesar's Palace. It was in the parking lot. It was lot in the parking of, lot of yeah. Caesar's Palace. It was a really boring track. Do you care to guess what year or years they were there? Um, I believe it was the early 80s, but it yeah, might. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, it was uh, 81 and 82. Yeah. So that's, yeah. That's good on you. Now, they also raced from 82 to 88 in Detroit, Michigan. Oh, Detroit. How could I forget? <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, of you course. You forgot about Detroit. And yeah. then they raced in 1959 at Sebring. Sebring. Just one year. Okay. 1959. Did they also race at Road America at some point? No. No? Okay. So, but they had, um, you know, at Indy, they raced from 1950 to 1960 on the Oval. And it was just part of the F1 calendar. And then you had uh, 2000 to 2007, the Indy Road Course, which obviously was right, right. popular as safety standards. We won't get into that. And then they raced in Long Beach, which I think you mentioned. Yep. Um, and that was from 76 to 83. Okay. So uh, I just thought with you know people thinking about three different tracks. Now, I didn't overlay these to see how many of these tracks overlaid with each other, but I'm going to guess at least three or four of them do in the early 80s. So yeah, I was kind of tracking with, the, and I think there was a couple of years where two different U.S. tracks were on the same year. Well, you have Vegas and Long Beach overlap in '82. Yeah, um, and then you have '84. So yeah, it's like within that period of time, there has been many tracks in America. Mm -hmm. So it's not unusual to have three. And the thing is, this Vegas track is completely different. They're racing down the strip. The Las Vegas the strip, strip at night. And I'm telling like, you, I drove I drove through there um, last summer, and it was not a big, this is going to be a very tight, um, you know, straightaway. Wow. So it's okay. going to be like, there's not going to be a runoff area. You know, it's going to be really tight. And so it's going to be, it's going to be exciting. And I think they and said that they're racing it Saturday night, U.S. time, so that it can be at it night. Is with a the night whole thing it is a night, it is a night race. I don't know if it's Saturday or Sunday, but it is a night race. So yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. But, um, but anyway, so yeah, that's, you know, Formula One has had championship series races throughout America in, yeah. at different times. Um, and I think if you look at when this was going on, motorsports were, at the kind of at the peak of their initial, you know, that was some of this was the, um, you know, Dale mm. Earnhardt era, the NASCAR oh, era, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and Indy was bigger th uh, then than it is now in the early eighties. And so, you know, you had a, people were into motorsports and then they weren't as much and now they're, it's coming back. So yeah, that, that's kind of what I see through this. And it's, you know, for me, it's exciting to have lived through most of these eras. Now, obviously, 59 and 60. Yeah. I was born in 59, so I don't remember the race or the, you know. <laughs> yeah. In in my recollection, in my, you know, born in the early 90s, um, motorsports and like especially NASCAR was something that a lot of people followed and were into up until yeah. the mid 2000s. And then it kind right. of fell off. And weirdly, coincidentally, that's when F1 kind of fell off in the U.S. too, given the 
05 indie grand prix that happened here and the shenanigans yeah, the around last that. the last vestige it's yeah it's that era certainly wasn't the peak yeah but it was the last vestige at the indie and so then yeah. then you ended up having a 10 to 15 year drought of motorsport interest and especially f1 interest mm-hmm. in the u.s and um it's cool to see it coming back because it seems like more people are interested in even indie these days more people are interested in nascar these days certainly more people are interested in f1 these days I think it's cool. I'm all for it. Yeah. Now, I do have a bonus hot seat question for you. Oh, no. Okay. What you got? <laughs> Only because last last week we talked about um, um, Laguna Seca. You were saying, man, oh, yeah, you'd love yeah. to see cars there. Well, it turns out that a former F1 driving driver champion, you know, uh, F1 World Drivers Championship actually drove a McLaren Formula One car at Laguna Seca last week i actually know this because i heard okay. about this as well and it's oh, very cool okay it was mario andretti old yes. mario <laughs> good old yeah, mario and he was you know the andrettis are you know they're tight with the mclaren oh, yeah. team and yeah. so he was he went mario was talking to you know i i assume the uh head guy at mclaren and said gee i would love to have, you know to feel like what a modern f1 car feels like and the guy's like i think i can make that happen yeah <laughs> <laughs> so they brought a 2013 mclaren f1 car oh. and they and they brought it to uh laguna seca and mario made several laps in it and kept getting faster and faster oh um, that's so cool now seeing him take that car through the corkscrew really shows why the corkscrew would be disaster i'm gonna look that up as cars. soon as we're done here because yeah I, if you I had 20 cars on the track <laughs> but uh you know and and now again mario andretti is in his 80s and he's still driving formula one cars this is what i love about it you he know is... he's like 83 84 something like that. he's 82 I mean, years old yeah yeah 82 wow there you go. so yeah and he's still he's still driving f1 cars so wow anyway yeah that, yeah. that was it that was oh it and speaking my... of mario andretti the mm-hmm. first as far as i know it's the first corner at coda was given a name and it was named the Andretti Corner, and it was the final corner. Um, sorry, the first corner to ever be given a name at Coda is the final uh, corner before the the start finish straight. It's called the Andretti Corner now. Yeah, turn and twenty. I think that's awesome. Turn twenty is the Andretti. Curve. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's so, a, I, and I thought that was really cool. And and after Mario named after Mario Andretti, right? And right. so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which I, it's about time he got. Yeah, for real. <laughs> no, I mean obviously yeah. we we don't need to. We could have a whole segment just on his. Oh uh, yeah, his expertise and his um, just yeah. amazing story in motorsports. But yeah, um, it, but he's just he's a jewel, a gem. You know, the guy's still out there. He's obviously taking care of himself, and he's a mm-hmm. wonderful, just a nice guy. Yeah, on top of yeah. everything else. So yeah, but it was cool that you know he got to do that. And, you know, I just think the end, you know, and I've heard that Andretti name since I can remember. I don't remember a time in my life. I mean, same here, but that's just significantly longer for you. (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember a time in my life. Not when I was a kid, you would if somebody's like had a a parent that drove fast, mom or dad, you go, oh, gosh, she thinks she's Mario Andretti. I mean, it was (laughs) it was like calling any copy of Xerox back then, you know. You you would always say, yeah, come on, slow down. You're not Mario Andretti. You know, he became synonymous with driving fast and speed. 
when I was a kid, you know, like if you saw somebody doing something crazy, you go, look, you're not evil Knievel, you know, <laughs> but yeah. for driving right, fast, right, you, yeah. know, you were Mario Andretti. Like, who do you think you are? Mario Andretti. And if you look at uh, old TV shows, you know, from the seventies and eighties, you, you'll hear people quote that all the time mm-hmm. you know, because he mm-hmm. was just that he was synonymous with. And I think that's another reason that, uh, you know, that uh, driving and racing was popular at that period of time is you had him and Michael on the track in the eighties together and Alan or senior and junior and things like that. And then as those dynasties uh, drifted away, the interest kind of, you know, drifted away for whatever reason. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, wow. there we go. And we have, we don't there have we to wait two weeks for another race. Oh yeah. It's next week, <laughs> isn't it? Mexico. Next week in Mexico. Dude, and that's going to be such a good track. It. I, I, I was I was talking to a guy that I bumped into over the weekend who was here for well he lived here but he was also attending the F1 race and he said that he went to Mexico last year and he was like yeah the 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 atmosphere there was unlike anything else it was unreal and I was like man I'm yeah. jealous but so it'll be a good track it'll be a good race I'm excited I'm yep. excited so we'll be back same time next week to talk about that and um We'll uh, hope to see you there. So until then, thanks so much for listening and take care of yourselves.